0: Well, this is VC Radio Live with Eric, Elisa, and Philip live online at slash VC Radio. Aloha! Tonight on VC Radio Live, we have a busy show. We plan to hear from a band called The Status later in the hour, about 15, 20 minutes from now. I will also connect with Henry DeBroth, author of Battling Big Box. But first, we hope to chat with Carrie Vaughn, author of the Kitty Norville series of books. Today's Wednesday, February 25th, 2009, and this is bc radio live that sounded a little bit like ryan seacrest opening american idol that's because i just watched the first you know almost hour of that chat room is now open at blogtalkradio.com slash bc radio and the live video feed is now running i am philip Wynn, button pusher for bc radio live and chief geek at bc magazine and i am joined tonight by bc Magazine's executive editor lisa mckay hello lisa
3: hi there how are you
0: i'm doing pretty well and uh, we're also joined by b c magazine's founder and publisher Eric Olson. Good evening, Eric
3: Hi there.
1: How are you guys? i'm cold'm well, yeah
0: not me its It's been like an eighty degree day here in uh, in the dallas area, so i I don't envy your snow or ice at all.
1: We had a warm up today. We are in the mid high forties, which that's Whoa. twenty degrees warmer than it's been, so it was not nearly. As bone-chilling to be up in my attic, uh, I was in my attic. We were doing some uh, wiring between uh, – well, try, we're trying to obscure wires. we got wires all over the damn bathroom, and so Don just said, man, get rid of those freaking wires. So. Uh, I finally got some new wire and uh, the the, whatever, something caused me to finally break down and do it. I've never been in our attic before. I've never climbed up there. I'd barely looked up there. I hadn't even realized that it's the whole size of the house. But it's nothing but insulation, you know. There's just – that's it. It's the blow kind. What do they call that? The, The kind that's loose up there as well as the strips. And anyway, it's not a place you really want to be because you're having to, you know, duck down. It's kind of an A shape, so anything other than right in the middle is is low ceiling, and you're having to, you know, leap from uh, beam to beam. And and I'm breathing in all of this insulation is just bizarre. Drilling holes through the ceiling, you know, down uh, through the ceiling of the bathroom and running wires. And uh, I mean, God, and it, I, I'm. Probably put in eight hours so far, it's just <laughs> life is just absurd, you know it's a whole it's, work day it's you know. a
0: wonder, it's a wonder you made it
1: it really <laughs> is so sitting back here in the office uh in a relatively mild evening is is really quite pleasant
0: <laughs> well, it is still at this time of day, uh which is uh, eight o'clock central time, but it's you know it's plenty dark out it's still seventy seven degrees out so well, I'd be, say
1: spring is coming, uh, or has come uh, to uh, the Dallas area. Yes, be jealous. Be very
0: jealous. Well, this is BC Radio Live. We are live every week at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio. And as I mentioned, co-hosting with Eric and Lisa, I am Phillip. Uh Werewolves and vampires and shapeshifters, oh my. Uh, there's actually quite a popular genre of fiction. Call it uh, paranormal romance call it modern fantasy, uh, but it's got quite a few fans. I'm a recent devotee myself. Uh, one popular novelist Carrie Vaughn, has a series uh, focused on a character called Kitty Norval. The series includes books like Kitty and the Dead Man's Hand released just a few weeks ago and Kitty Raises Hell released uh, yesterday in fact. Uh, Carrie actually blogs on amazon.com where you can also find the entire series of books. I think there are six as of like this moment and uh, Carrie is here to talk with us tonight. So uh, welcome to BC Radio Live, Carrie. If I can get the switchboard to respond, uh, huh? Well, Carrie is on the line, but I uh, I think for a moment we're unable to speak with her unless she can speak up. The wonders of uh, I'm wondering you
1: know that- if if she is the model for the uh, for the cover of the book. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, if we can actually get her on here, we'll we'll try to find out. I suspect uh, I suspect
3: not.
1: And I see different creatures uh, on on each cover. Uh, Raising Hell looks looks like a werewolf, which is certainly appropriate for a werewolf series. And on uh, Kidding the Dead Man's Hand, she's with a tiger, although she looks different there. Is that supposed to be the same person? Definitely has different hair color.
0: Well, we will find out if I can get this to operate. We're having technical issues, so I know that... Um,
1: well, we got in, although <laughs> yes. Lisa had trouble. I almost we had,
0: Yeah, we had a little bit of a challenge earlier. And now I'm having more challenge with this call from Colorado.
1: So when you click on it, it doesn't...
0: It does nothing.
1: What if you refresh... I've uh,
0: tried that as well. So um have you guys read any uh of of the various I mean I I have to admit I haven't read any of Kerry Vaughn's work, so that's kind of sad. But um maybe I'll pick it up. I actually uh started watching True Blood on HBO last year. Did I you catch any of that?
1: Uh I've actually read about it and it it sounded like we we've ended up uh Sort of uh, working in the as far as watching, working in the in the in the paranormal, the interesting slash intelligent. I suppose you know there's something different about the ones we watch. We watch Supernatural, which we really like because it's both funny and amazingly grotesque, and it's a good story. <laughs> so there's a good you know uh, thread um, and, and good characters, and we like the relationship between the brothers and all that. So we watched that. Um, I, I don't know if I. No,
0: let me you. let me let me interrupt really really quickly. Uh, Carrie, can I please have you call back? I, there may be a problem just with this connection. You can yeah, we we're sorry. and that's We
1: suck. Stressful. Please call back. Yes, it's our
0: fault completely here. All right. So hopefully. So that's...
1: anyway, I just we I have never watched Lost, and we just got recently all four seasons on DVD. Including three and four on Blu-ray, which I'm very excited to get to, and we're I think on the last episode of season two. We've crammed a it's like a oh. job watching that man.
0: Well, and you you managed to make it through season two without losing heart, so that's good. You'll 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 probably stick through the rest of the show then. Season two was its worst. Oh really?
1: <laughs> I've heard a lot of people uh, say they didn't much like season three so much because. Um, I thought it was a slight on the others rather than on the original group.
0: Maybe slight improvement over season two for me, and then uh, season four seems to be quite fantastic. So,
1: well, all of that's good. Yeah, I, I mean, I liked as is not unusual. I, you know, we were very captivated by season one. There just didn't seem to be really a, a misstep. There's some meandering and season two but now we're at the end and man michael just shot everyone and what's his freaking problem we were horrified that's a pretty good sign when you know because it's also <laughs> been so concentrated remember you know i mean we've watched two whole seasons in well i don't oh, know
0: I, i'm delighted to interrupt you eric and thank you good. for filling in the time but uh welcome finally to bc radio live carrie
3: hi hi i oh, a little late I, I i had trouble getting through
1: Thank you yeah, so we, much for trying and retrying and not giving up on us. We apologize. I got this.
3: some elevator music. It was very catchy. Oh,
1: interesting.
3: Didn't you hear okay. us talking
1: about you and how we're absolutely positive you are the model on the front cover of the book?
3: <laughs> I hear that a lot. I bet you do. And
1: you know who's spreading that rumor? It's me. That's why you hear it a lot.
3: And I can tell you definitively it's not true because just a couple of months ago I spoke with the cover artist and he... He has a model. He has an actual model, and and he told me who she was, and and she's an actual human being. And if you look at the photographs of the two of us, we don't look anything alike, <laughs> and, and so it's just some sort of artistic magic that that makes that happen.
1: Yeah, I was kidding anyway.
3: <laughs> uh, You'd be amazed how often I hear that, though.
1: I'm I'm looking at the the most recent two. They they don't look like the same person,
3: and I don't know what that is. I think it's the front view versus the. The back view and the hair up versus the hair down?
1: I guess. It's, could she, she just looked different after she got married.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It changes people. <laughs> so while
1: we were waiting for you, not obviously that it was your fault, uh, it, was, it was ours 1,000%. Actually, it was Blog Talk Radio. So we won't go into that. So anyway, we were just discussing sort of our personal relationships with some aspect of the genre that you work in. And that yes. brings up the obvious question. How did you get into this uh, line of work? And maybe even uh, in conjunction with that, or before that, it's it's, it's totally up to you. Maybe just give us a a real quick overview for the listeners, you know, of what the series is about, and who is Kitty, and what does she do, and is is she in fact a werewolf herself, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
3: Yes, uh, it's the series is uh, starts with Kitty in the midnight hour, and Kitty is in fact a werewolf. Um, or in fiction, <laughs> as a werewolf, and uh, she starts her own talk radio advice show for supernatural beings. Too funny. Because Dr. Laura wouldn't be able to handle their problems. Hell no. <laughs>
1: Not even Loveline would be able no, to handle that.
3: No, no. No, in fact, Loveline's a pretty big inspiration for this. <laughs> I bet
1: it is. I thought of, I'm be, originally from L.A., and I thought of it immediately when, in fact, I've been on there. I was on there oh, yeah? once. About, yeah, about ten years ago. It was it was an experience. I, I had a previous relationship with K Rock, so even though I was, as far as they were concerned, a nobody.
3: <laughs> they well, I went it. to college in Los Angeles, so I those were the, those prime years listening to, to KROQ. and Los Angeles. Oh yeah. That,
1: yeah, where'd you go? Occidental. Really, I know that. That's a nice yeah. little school.
3: Yeah, it's t- kind of tucked away between Pasadena and Glendale. And-
1: uh huh. When when were you there? What or I what graduated- era?
3: Uh, I graduated in 95, so early 90s, L.A. riots, you know, all of that. Yeah,
1: you're right. I, I, I recall it. Yeah, I left, I came back to Ohio, and I've gone back and forth a few times, but uh, I came back in ninety, so I, I did miss the 90s in L.A., but, man, I was there for those hoppin' 80s.
4: <laughs>
1: so, I, again, um, what was the, uh, obviously it, it's, Comes from your imagination, and ultimately, that's mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. But what uh, what caused what was the clay from which you molded? You know, this particular series, that particular character. What about that character you know, stood out so much to you that you wanted to you know create a? I imagine first you created a book, and then that turned into a series. Or did you? Or did you envision I, a, actually, a series I, first?
3: Actually, it it started as a short story. Um, ah. I I wrote I, it, it really did start with the radio show idea. It, you know, I'm driving along to to work and thinking, Dr. Laura just wouldn't be able to handle vampires and werewolves problems, so they needed a talk radio show. And uh, I, I came up with Kitty because the talk radio show needed a host, and I I don't like vampires all that much. I felt like I had nothing new or interesting to say about vampires, so I I made my main character a werewolf because werewolves don't get enough love. And, and well, it was only then true. that I named her. <laughs>
1: They're Tudor and Furrier.
3: That's what I think, and one of the questions that that people who read this genre a lot tend to ask, and and I I've been on a lot of panels at conventions and things like that, and and for some reason they always have to ask, which do you think is sexier, vampires or werewolves? And it, it's such an odd question in some ways, and and I I've started responding by saying, well, what that really comes down to is necrophilia or bestiality. Take your pick. <laughs>
1: That's a you great know, that, answer. That's
3: what you're asking me about. So. That's,
1: that's classic. Hey, what do you think of this? the blending of the two via the Underworld series? What are your thoughts on that? Is that allowable? I mean, can we let them I get away with that?
3: I don't like the Underworld movies. I know this is heresy, but I the, the first one was just kind of fingernails on a chalkboard to me, just plot-wise and how it made no sense. and you know, if the vampires have been conquering werewolves for centuries, why do they need machine guns now? And et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, I haven't actually seen the other ones, and I try not to think too much about them. Um, I, I figure you can do whatever you want with with the genre um, because we're we're making this all up as we go along anyway. So I sure. don't fundamentally have a problem with with mixing them. Although, I've, in my world, I've kind of set it up that once you get infected with one, it makes you immune to the other. So, I'm not going to have any vampire werewolf hybrids running around anytime soon.
0: Oh, so now that, that leads me to a question. Do you get along with Charlene Harris at all?
3: I do. I, I've never met her in sure. person, um, but she edited an anthology last winter uh, Wolf Spain and Mistletoe. Uh, <laughs> a, a, book full of werewolf Christmas stories because those are two things that needed to go together. Sure. And, <laughs> and she was the co-editor on that and, and accepted one of my stories for it. Um, and she friended me on yeah. Facebook, which was really awesome. Christmas, <laughs> Christmas
1: is like club soda. It goes with everything.
3: Yeah. For, for people yeah.
0: Who, who don't follow the, the genre, Charlene Harris is the author of the book that has turned into the television series True Blood. And in fact, in her series at one point, she, uh, well, I'm probably be giving away something from about the fifth or sixth book, but uh, she does have a vampire that's turned into a werewolf. So good for you for avoiding that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, like, like I said, you, if you can pull it off, I mean, the only thing, I, I was once told that the only rule in writing is, is whatever you can get away with. So you, you well, can do whatever you want funny. as long as you can get away with it. But uh, I, I think a lot of people can't get away with as much as they think they can.
1: What's your again? Just for those who who may very well be interested, but just haven't haven't got to it yet. What would you say is kind of your main story arc through the series thus far? And is it going somewhere? I mean, do you have a a, a destination in mind?
3: It is. It is going somewhere. Um, it's not on the surface. I mean, I, I don't spend a whole lot of time on it. On a big overarching plot line. And part of that is I'm 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 sticking to kind of an episodic format uh, so that each book stands alone as much as possible. Because uh, I have a habit of picking up series in the middle in like book five or six. And I, I sympathize for other readers who do that. So I want people to be able to pick up my series at any point in any book and not be completely lost. Uh, so I am trying to maintain that a little bit. Previously you,
1: on you, Lost.
3: Exactly. Yeah. You, you end up in like the first, first three It takes the first 15
1: minutes of the show.
3: Yeah, yeah, and but at the same time, the series is definitely about Kitty, and it's about her learning to stand up for herself. And as the series has progressed, she's gotten uh, more, more and more confident. Um, she's also collected more and more responsibilities. Um, you know, she in the first book, she got kicked out of her pack in Denver and in, in, in exile, and she had to leave. And and at this point in the series, she's come back to Denver. She's taken over that pack, so she's now a leader. Um, you know, her her radio show keeps getting more and more popular and keeps causing more and more trouble. So she's she's taking on more and more problems and, and responsibilities, and she kind of has to rise to meet those, those issues as they come up. And I hope to keep doing that. And I do have an end in mind. I know what happens in the last book of the series. I'm just not sure when that last book is going to come <laughs> yet. Because wow. I keep getting ideas in the meantime, so
0: we're uh, we're running low on time but that does actually bring up uh, another question i have which is that your your book number 5 came out uh, i believe on january 27th is that right uh-huh yep and then uh book number 6 came out uh yesterday that's 4 weeks right that's some quick writing <laughs> yes.
3: yeah yeah like crazy i crazy mean, last year <laughs>
0: is, is the next book a mere four, 4 weeks away
3: no the 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 next book is okay. a year away and unfortunately, oh. I'm sure for, for some people. But uh, what we did is uh, book five, Kitty and the Dead Man's Hand, ends on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in, rather than waiting, making people wait a year to see what happens, uh, we, we brought out the sixth book uh, uh, a month later. And what we had to do for that is the fifth book is actually about three or four months late from when we originally said it was going to come out. And then the sixth oh, book, okay. we just bumped it up a couple of months. So we sort of shuffled the the uh, publishing schedule around. Scheduling a magic. Series, so. Scheduling magic, yeah. And it was also kind of a way to, to bring a little attention to the series and kind of make a, make a splash by bringing out two books so close together. Sure. It's like a double feature. Well, the latest,
0: the, the latest Kitty Norville books are Kitty and the Dead Man's Hand and Kitty Raises Hell, both uh, just new in the last uh, month, four weeks now, uh, and they're both available right now. Uh it's a, it's a new series for me, Carrie, so I think uh, as much as I've been enjoying the uh, Suki Stackhouse books, I, I think I'm going to have to pick up a Kitty Norville book and see what I think. No,
3: oh, I hope you, you enjoy
0: you it. <laughs> well, thanks very much for talking with us tonight. Oh,
3: well, thanks for having me.
0: Farewell. Have a good evening. Well, uh, BC Radio Live is in production of blogcritics.org and is broadcast weekly at BlogCritics. Uh, sorry blogtalkradio.com slash bc radio and with Eric and Lisa I'm Philip. our chat room has been waiting patiently for our next guest Uh, and you know actually why don't we start off the status is our next guest and they're an Atlanta rock band so let's start off with uh, a sample from that album this is a song called Perfect Day Perfect day from The Status. It's from their latest album, so this is progress. We'll have another sample for you later, but for now, you can check the band out at myspacecom status. And let's chat right now with Ben Grant. Welcome to BC Radio Live, Ben. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. I'm so glad that our uh, our phones are working a little better. We had a little problem problem getting the last guest online, and I know the chat room would go absolutely insane if we didn't get a chance to get you on. You've got, you've got a lot of fans coming out.
1: There would have been a uh, food awesome. fight. A food fight? There would have been a food fight in the chat room. Uh, that's awesome. I wish I could be a part of that food fight. Food <laughs> fights are fun, you know. Unless Definitely. you have to clean it up. Unless you got to clean it up. That's true. So, hey, th- this is our second week in a row to have a cool, uh, modern, melodic, but rocking band from atlanta on the show what a what an interesting coincidence do you know <laughs> do you know last november
4: yeah we um I, I know of them i've never actually met them personally but um they're definitely a band that playing shows in atlanta that we've heard about so so that's awesome you guys had them on the show
1: yeah and they they had a active chat room as well sounds like there's a really happening scene in atlanta that's it's cool i'm really glad to hear that it sounds like we've moved beyond the the uh, the southern rock sound that so dominated the scene for oh I don't know twenty years I guess maybe.
4: Yeah, yeah, that and um, it's it's become cu- quite the capital for hip hop too. So
1: oh, sure. The rock scene's,
4: the rock scene's starting to grow a little bit. Like, we've been real fortunate to to be part of um, a group of bands, you know, that have, that have started doing a lot of shows and um, you know that have come from Atlanta. So it's been a good time for us. Coming
1: from Atlanta. It's quite a cosmopolitan area. It's, you know, I, I I had been there a few times but hadn't paid a whole lot much attention to it until we went to the Olympics, which is already now, gosh, what, 12 years ago? <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah. 96. Wow. But, you know, I, that was a real eye-opener. What a great area it is and how what yeah. an international place it is and, you know, I mean sure it's in it's the capital of the south in terms of certainly it's the biggest city in in the real south but uh you can go a lot of places in Atlanta and not really even be aware that you're in the south necessarily you know Yeah definitely it's it's definitely a diverse city and um like where we're located we we live a
4: little bit north of the city and like you said it's it's pretty diverse um so it's been I mean it works in our favor where, like, the living's kind of cheaper the shows there's a lot of venues in the city um which has been good for us, like networking with different bands and uh, just trying to get to know kids and hang out with people in the city has been great for us.
1: So why don't you give us a little background on, on the band. How did you guys come together? You know, how, how did this all come about? And uh, I've heard of Doghouse Records. Are they based in... I think I have actually have quite a few uh, releases from them. Are they based in Atlanta or are they elsewhere?
4: They're actually based on New York. Um, and uh, we basically we started writing songs like this lineup I think about two years ago Um, and and a lot of us are friends we've we've all known each other for for quite a quite a few years and have been in bands and stuff when we decided to come together about two years ago and start what is now the status we just had um, a ton of songs a ton of material that we had written and um, so anyway like this has kind of been the project that we all kind of worked up um, towards to do so we've been doing it for about two years we've been a touring band for about a year and a half or so um we put out our first record which is so this is progress last fall and we're actually uh we're actually on the road right now and i'm um, about to start another tour so it's been a really fun ride and we've got to know a lot of great people and it's been it's been a blast
1: yeah you guys are really busy i'm looking at your schedule once again we really encourage everyone to check out the myspace page which is a beautiful page by the way you guys <laughs> spare no Thanks, expense that looks very professional and it's informative Got a great bio on there, but uh, yeah, we encourage everyone to go to myspace.com slash the status and check out the concert schedule. You guys are really busy. You got all kinds of shows. You're in. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, you're in Georgia. Uh, let's see. No,
0: no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. That's <laughs> oh! That's us. <laughs> oh, uh, you're in Texas. Oh, tomorrow. Wichita Falls the next day. Arlington uh, Saturday. This is you're all. You're in
1: Texas.
0: Yeah, Arlington, yeah, Arlington's right
4: yeah. around the corner from me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we just actually we're in the van right now traveling, and we just crossed through Texas, the big, big state in the middle. Uh, <laughs> it is. A so. <laughs> so we got a couple of days out here, and then we, we head back to the East Coast and the Midwest, and got about a month's worth of shows before, before we start the next tour in April.
1: Yeah, you're coming it's to, to Cleveland, to the playing the grog shop on March 6th. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. My daughter lives right way. around the corner from there. Oh, really? Is, yeah. to go to the this, show.
0: Is this the Barack and Roll Stimulus Tour, or is that what's coming up next?
4: Yeah, that's that is what <laughs> is starting tomorrow. Very
0: nice. Say. Who are you, are you playing with?
4: <laughs> uh, we're we're playing with some friends of ours from from the Houston, Texas area called Barely Blind. Um, Their MySpace is MySpace.com/slash/BarelyBlind and some good friends of ours are really looking forward to this tour it's going to be a lot of fun we're going to be able to see a lot of friends we've made um so definitely
1: can't wait the first show is tomorrow night very exciting super cool so how did you hook up with doghouse records
4: um we basically it's it's kind of been a, a long road and um it's like to start like we we began uh a relationship with our manager who's also in another band called bayside um his sure. Anthony Ranieri. and uh like, we kind of just, like, on a network of people that, like, is kind of a team that that surrounded the status, and um, we did some demoing, I think, uh, about two years ago now, and um, we kind of just all, like, went at it, like, with with different networks, different friends, and uh, just the, I guess, indie rock um, community, and we, uh, I guess, eventually wound up meeting the guys from Doghouse at a a showcase in New York, and things kind of just stopped from there, and from there we just had a relationship with them and uh we ended up signing with them last summer and we recorded our album and put it out last fall so um some great guys we really really like where we landed with them um a smaller label but they have you know like some really some of our favorite bands were on doghouse um like all american rejects say anything megan diaz some really great bands on there so we're, we're really happy to be where we're at
1: yeah i would I, you know i wouldn't call them small they're not you know, they're not. Uh, oh no, no, so. not not small at all. They're, they're. I mean, they're they're definitely one of the bigger
4: indie labels, and uh, that's you know, for us, that's ideally where we wanted to be. So, we um, we're definitely happy to be there.
1: Yeah, the recording is is uh, the songwriting is really good, and and lots of catchy tunes and good vocals and everything. But uh, the production is also great. Or did you guys produce this record yourself, or did you have help, or or uh, and where was it recorded? Um, yeah, we actually
4: we we had two different producers that we worked with, and we recorded in Queens, New York last summer, which was an awesome experience. We were up there for about five weeks, and um, it was produced by Kenny Joya and then George Fullin, um both of which that have done a lot of lot of stuff um, between the both of them. They've hit everybody in the, like from the pop world to to the indie rock world. Um, you know, George has worked with bands like Taking Back Sunday, Reggie and The Full Effect. And then, uh, and then Kenny's worked with, like, like some crazy pop stars like uh, Mandy Moore and a couple other people like that. So to have them, you know, producing the record was, was such a, uh, like, the two ends of the spectrum, you know, which made for a perfect balance for us. And, I can, you know, we had such a great experience up
1: there. Well, there's nothing wrong with, it, you know, not shying away from the pop side. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to mistake you guys for a pop band. You're definitely a, a rock and roll band, but man, there's nothing wrong with having, you know, the melodies emphasized and, and really brought out and, and the vocals, you know, recorded really well and mixed well. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, think, I think it sounds great. What's the reaction been to the record?
4: It's, I mean, it's been good. It's a, it, it feels like it just came out, but I guess it's been a couple months already. We we've toured on it once, um, so this is kind of like the follow-up tour. To uh, you know, we're just we're this whole year we're gonna try to be out on the road promoting it. Um, so so far the reaction's been great. Like we we try to stay real interactive with our friends and fans, like through the different social networks. And um, like we've been really really lucky to meet like some amazing people like all over the U. S. That we keep in touch with on a regular basis and that, you know, help us promote our shows when we come back to town. So um, I'd say it's, it's been really good. We just got to, you know, keep keep working real hard. That's kind of what we've based our band around is just hard work. And, uh, you know, that and just, like, being able to relate to people and relationships and networking and, you know, all that stuff, you know, any band that's,
1: like, super important to to do that. Especially today, man. That's, there's nothing like it. Hey, yeah, yeah.
0: Do you want to hear from a couple of callers? We've got folks in the chat room who would just love to probably scream <laughs> things at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's cool. All right, caller from 732, you're on the air with Ben.
3: Hey, Ben. How's it going? Good. Um, I met you guys in Vintage Viner. I'm the one who gave you the penguin? Oh,
4: yeah, yeah.
3: What's penguin. up?
1: Penguin.
4: He's, he's hanging out with us tonight.
1: Is it a living penguin?
4: <laughs> um,
1: yeah,
4: it's debatable I think I think half of us think it's living half of us I'm sure wow but, uh, it's, it's actually it's stuck, kind of a magical but, penguin yeah it is a magical penguin it's it's helped us out quite a bit so far
0: <laughs> well thanks for calling let's also uh, take a call from 805 you're on the air with Ben from um, the status hello call us from 805
2: Hey, this is uh, Henry Dubrov. Uh, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> our well, our next next, awesome. I'm your next interview. Yes, what next a coincidence
1: that you are also a Status fan.
0: Hey. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it was a, a number other than the one I was expecting. So I'll uh, I'll put you back on hold and we will uh, we will jump to you in just a minute. And that does uh, that does remind me that of course we are uh, going to need to, to wrap this up in the next couple of minutes, Ben. <laughs> That's fine. That's cool. But but that's uh, but we've 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 got another minute two. I know we cut into your time a little bit, so we're gonna give you a couple more minutes as well. That's cool, man.
1: All right, so you guys are traveling by van, right? How how do you like that? How do you like the road lifestyle? Are you are you weary of it yet, or is it still fun and exciting?
4: Um, it's definitely fun and exciting. We, um, you know, like we try to take a little bit of breaks every time between tours, uh to spend with family and friends back home. So so far, like our, our touring schedule has been pretty balanced. So we get we get a little time home. We got a lot of time for the past uh, month or so, like through the holidays with family. So that's been great. And we've been been looking forward to this tour for a while. And uh, we fixed our van up. We were in like a smaller van that actually had our window broken out um, last tour in California. So that was a bit of a bummer and kind of kind of an infamous story with the status friends online and stuff so we got that repaired we, we we were calling this van a brand new van so we're definitely excited looking forward to these shows and looking forward to hanging out with everybody at the shows
1: have you been writing for a, a new album um
4: we're we're always writing. um we don't really have any definite plans for a new album yet i mean this record's been out for a couple months so it'll be a while like i said we're going to just try to tour the rest of this year um across the whole country hopefully a couple times um and just see, see what happens. Like, we're trying to just still create a buzz for this record and get people to tell, tell other people and to tell other people about the record. Uh, we, we really believe in what we're doing and believe in our music, so we're a lot. Um, so here as possible.
0: Hey, excellent.
1: Well,
0: it sounds like a good note on which to wrap up. Everybody, we do encourage you to always, always support local music. They're touring through Texas, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Jersey, it goes on and on. There's going to be a chance for you to check them out. If you're anywhere, let's say, uh, you know, east of Colorado, you, you probably have a chance to, to find them. So please go go to the show. Support local music. We'll uh, we'll actually uh, listen to another sample as we leave. We've got a, a bit of the title track to listen to. Uh, so thanks very much for joining us tonight, Ben. And uh, everybody check yeah, out nice. myspace.com uh, slash the status.
1: I think okay. battery.
0: <laughs> right. Thanks,
1: Ben. Good luck to you guys. Uh, I, I like the record a lot, and and um, glad you guys are giving it your all. Good job. Thanks very much. All right. Thank you guys so much.
0: And this is uh, this is progress. So this is progress. This is Progress from the album of the same name by The Status. You can find more samples and more info, including tour info, at MySpace.com slash The Status. And we thanks again uh, for talking with us tonight. Now, uh, most of us know the story of David and Goliath, but uh, the truth is, in real life, most of the time, Goliath wins. Uh, Big companies squash small companies, but uh, our next guest has written a book to help even the odds, based on his own successful experiences. It's called Battling Big Box. How Nimble Niche Companies Can Outmaneuver Giant Competitors. Uh, The author is Henry Dubroff. We heard from him uh, very briefly when I mistakenly picked up his line. He's the the founder and editor of Pacific Coast Business Times. And uh, welcome for reals to BC Radio Live, Henry. Hey, Eric. Hey,
2: I'm not driving in a van, but uh, I like their music. That's cool. Nor do you live in one down by the river? Uh, No, I live in a... (laughs) A little condo down by the ocean, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that there's there's worse things than that.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of folks that live down by, a lot actually, a lot of homeless people in California.
1: Unbelievably, uh, well, anyway, that's because people go deal. where the weather suits their clothes. There you go. There you go. <laughs> to quote <laughs> Nielsen, Nielsen, uh, and Harry Nielsen. So where are you in in
2: L.A. area? Yeah, we're north and uh, slightly west of L.A. in Santa Barbara, and there's a three-county area of about a little under a million and a half people that had no uh, business publication. And it was a little surprising to me to learn that. Um, and so I decided it was worth spending a few hundred thousand dollars of not not all of it my money to uh, see if a business publication would work in this area. And so far, it's been kind of fun.
1: Interesting. That's the Pacific Coast Business Times? Correct. Weekly Business Journal for
2: Santa Barbara, Ventura, and San Luis Obispo counties.
1: So you're always writing about Michael Jackson and stuff?
0: <laughs>
2: well, you know, Michael's in, like, Dubai or somewhere, but uh, we do uh, – <laughs> we we actually found, interestingly enough, and I think most people realize this about their towns as well, that uh, there was a, bit, a long history of people building successful – niche companies in our region so going back to 1870s their niche was growing lima beans that was a big deal uh and today actually they grow avocados and that is a big deal because we have the world's largest um distributor of avocados in our area and the california's largest grower of avocados in our area and then technology came along and people did other things but the most famous company that you would recognize from our area is called was called Kinko's um the copy shops that got sold uh to that's FedEx and uh Mr. Kinko is a real person and
1: nice guy Oh wow Very Well I know Santa Barbara quite well actually my cousin lives there I'm from LA originally and, Oh cool Santa uh, I Santa Barbara's a wonderful beautiful area wow you know that's tremendous <laughs> that you can that you can live there I I well, envy you
2: well, it's, it's not, not a bad life. Uh, what's kind of interesting is that in the mid-1990s, there's a university here, University of California, they changed the way their patents work. And um, so the professors were allowed to keep a lot more of the stuff they invented, make money off the stuff they invented. Wow. And that set off an explosion of innovation um, the computer mouse was actually invented by somebody from University of California, Santa Barbara. Um, a lot of the stuff that we use now in uh, advanced telescopes and spy satellites, a lot of the imaging equipment is built in and around Santa Barbara. Um, so there's a lot of uh, science. That leads to innovation that leads to companies actually there's a very famous software now. Have you ever used go to my p c or go to meeting mm-hmm. um, oh
3: yes,
1: we, yeah, in those... fact we use it all the time because we were um we blog critics uh we're, oh, we're all blog critics people were purchased by Technorati uh, up in San Francisco, and we're right. still you know we didn't move or anything i'm still in Cleveland, and Lisa's still in. Connecticut and and Philip's still in in uh, Dallas and so uh, we we use that all the time.
2: Yeah, that was invented by a professor at University of California, Santa Barbara, and he sold the company. He and his partner sold the company to Citrix Online for two hundred million dollars.
1: That was that was nice work if you can get it. That was <laughs> yeah. Very very snappy indeed. Wow. Well, let's talk about the book. Uh, I can, you know, I I am one of these guys who, uh, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, can see both sides of almost every issue. You know, <laughs> and it's a blessing and a curse. You know, uh, right. I, I I can see I I can I can relate to that, and then and then if I, when I hear, you know, well presented version of the, you know, kind of opposite point of view is, well, that makes sense, too. So, I mean, I, I like Walmart, but, man, I sure – I have no problem understanding, you know, what issues that people have or 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 groups of people or communities even. I mean, I, I don't doubt that, that a lot of the, you know, accusations about it are true. On the other hand, I don't doubt that I can go in there and in a very efficient and very – in a very timely and in a very economically uh, uh, astute manner, uh, gather up a bunch of stuff. It's the staples, I and mean, we go in for the staples. You know, we don't go for the good stuff. We go in for the stuff that you gotta have. So why not go where it's cheapest? And you know, it's going to be there. But right. like I said, I, I sure n- uh, understand the other opposite perspective too. And and as a regular shopper, I absolutely see all the holes in what even a walmart has you know they they don't have the stuff that's out around the fringe they don't have the higher quality stuff i'm sort of in a uh audio video phase and have been for about i don't know last year i guess i've been sort of on a, right. a you know on a roll there and and getting and learning about and and picking up here and there where i can afford it which isn't much uh you know some higher <laughs> quality stuff and uh electronics and you know walmart doesn't have any of that, you know. Right, you
2: can't that. go there and buy a Sonos. Or, exactly. You
1: know,
2: oh. Yeah. Well, here's kind of what we did was, we kind of uh, took the middle ground and said, hey, um, everybody who operates a small business today uh, and who's thinking about maybe starting one really is going to face a lot more competitive landscape than we have in the past. And we all compete against the big boxes, at least in, terms, in a metaphor, my company competes against those big org charts at the L.A. Times where they have layers and layers of management and people and lots of people who can do lots of things. Um, you know, if you're a little software company doing services, you may compete against the big box called Big Blue, IBM, which is in services. If you're a custom computer chip manufacturer, which we have a lot of, In California, you know, you're competing against um, Intel and uh, Samsung and the big, you know, Toshiba. Everybody competes globally. Everybody competes locally. So what we try to do is give people some keys to build a successful niche company, things we observed in dozens and dozens of companies over and over and over again. And if I could just hit a few high spots, one thing we observed was, A culture of people empowerment where a niche company typically you don't have bench strength you you don't have reserves you've got to turn people loose you got to find people you can trust turn them loose and give them the freedom to both add value to your company and occasionally fail and when they fail you got to pick them up dust them off get them back on track second thing effective branding A lot of this doesn't mean billboards or yard signs or you know inserts in every paper. It means finding where your brand matters and getting it in front of your customers. It might be online, it might be at trade shows, it might be through a weekly email to your customer base. But you have to kind of keep branding effectively. The third thing, and this was a big pitfall for a lot of companies they have great ideas they have visionary management the founder is a brilliant technical person they don't have a culture of sales if you're not bringing revenue in the door you don't have a business and it doesn't mean that the creative visionary in the company is always selling because that is pretty thin but the company is aligned in a way that your customers understand what your product is and have an opportunity to buy. Fourth is cash management. You've just got to manage cash. And finally, um, you've got to have vision. So the management has to be able to step back from time to time. Myself, I kind of unplug, try and unplug on long weekends, work from home on Fridays. Um, and just think about what happened this week. Where are we now? Where are we headed in the future? That's it
1: in a nutshell. Interesting. Yeah. Wow! I as you were going through that, it was like, my God, he's talking about Technorati, don't you think, Philip? <laughs> yeah,
0: no, there's definitely definitely some things that you know, companies that are doing this right, I think, have have these things in common. You've done a good job of identifying it.
1: Thanks, thanks. You know, Technorati really, was a, a really big success in terms of branding, in terms of of having a name that was out there everyone in in the you know certainly the blog world but but even the larger online world you know was familiar with that name had some sense about what they do but when the management team that's there now the ones the, the ones who bought us they came in um about a year and a half ago i guess wait is that right yeah about a year and a half ago not not even uh, but uh, somewhere in that time frame and you know kind of all new executive New CEO, uh, on and on, and what they did was exactly what you said. They they had all kinds of things going for them. They had the branding. They had uh, a lot of technical uh, tech, technical innovation that they had brought to uh, indexing and, and aggregating the the content of the blogosphere. What they did not have was sales. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you Whoops. know, that's, that's and, and when you talked about, you know, all the way up to the CEO even being involved in sales, well, it's certainly not all he does, but absolutely, he is the head salesman. There's no question right. about it.
2: Right. Yeah, at our company, um, you know, what we found is, okay, so we have a company with 12 people, and so we do business with... Law firms that have hundreds of people. Some, we do business with banks that have tens of thousands of people. Well, when I sit down with the president of the bank or the head of the law firm, he doesn't want to talk to me about how many ads he's going to buy. He wants to know, because I'm the news guy, he wants to know what's going on in the region, what's the gossip about his competition, um, who's doing what to whom and for how much. And we can have great conversations. Now, when his marketing director sits down with my publisher, it's all about business. How many ads? What's the price? What's the placement? Which events do we have? What's hot? What are they interested in? And then we have uh, typically an account executive who's working with a scheduler, and a graphic designer who's working with a graphic designer and then our accounting person is working with their accounts. Payable person, and it's very important that those relationships be really cool up and down the line. If we have a bill that, if we have a bill that hasn't been paid and my accounting person starts talking to the wrong person in the company, mm-hmm. uh, it sends some very bad messages. Um, you know, if, uh, if the sales person doesn't, on my team doesn't get the right pricing information from my publisher. It sends mixed messages. So you really have to have your communication right up and down the line. And then when you ask for the business, you're likely to get it. And also, as your people are talking to people, they're gathering information. So if there's a big change coming, uh, somebody's not going to be spending money, somebody's going to be spending more money, you're likely to have the inside information. So when they say, hey, can you give us a little idea because we've got something special we want to do, you say, ah, here, I got it. Let me show you this and that kind of culture and being really attuned to where your customers are at really pays off.
1: Um I I'm you gave us a, a an excellent, you know, if if uh, of necessity, you know, rather broad and vague um, you know, overview of 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 the strategies, but just looking, you know, specifically at your subtitle, maybe maybe it would be I think it would be quite Instructive and interesting, if you could perhaps run us through how nimble niche companies can outmaneuver giant competitors. Maybe a case study or something? Uh, yeah, I'll give you
2: a couple of, couple of tales from the trenches. Uh, one of the real interesting companies that we talk about was a little company that was making um, a health food bar. And the company was called Balance Bar. And they were selling mainly to tiny little health food stores. And they were really, 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 really struggling. And a new CEO came along. um, His name is Jim Wolf. And um, Jim began to think about not just the health food stores, but sports and kind of an energy bar. They didn't change the name. They loved the way the product tasted. But he started going to things where people expended a lot of uh, energy. Uh, They started to sponsor bicycle races, uh, swim meets, uh, decathlon events, up and down California. They started to go around the country, and they built an extremely successful brand. And as word of mouth spread, um, they began to send samples out. And they sent some samples to a chain of stores called Trader Joe's. I don't know if you have them in Cleveland, but yes. in California and on the East Coast, they're really popular, limited purpose, but very high volume. And Trader Joe's came along and placed an order for like, you know, $50,000. Um, and their revenue went from a $1 to $70 million. Wow. In the space of five years.
1: That's 1 to 5 growth. to 10
2: to 20 to 40 to 70. Yeah, and it was really an amazing story uh, built on just some good old-fashioned grassroots marketing. Uh, not big ad budgets, just grassroots marketing. Um, trying to think of another uh, story. Another thing that really works uh, for people, and this is a little bit of a um, – a lot of successful companies are sort of little boxes inside of big boxes, you might say. So uh, there are a lot of independent franchisees uh, who operate their own businesses under the banner of somebody else's big box. Uh, my friend uh, Sam Hishma, who's the Domino's pizza franchisee for the Santa Barbara Ventura area, he is obviously he's very competitive. He's competing against the local pizza shop. He's competing against Pizza Hut. Uh, he's competing against anybody that sells fast food. His specialty is um, community service marketing. Boys clubs, girls clubs, <laughs> boys and girls clubs, you name it. If they need his help, he gives it to them. He never says no.
1: and He's he sponsoring a- 74 different youth
2: teams. There you go. Right. Yeah, did you find it in the book? Yeah, he's, he's just all no, over I'm, the place, I'm just- he's everywhere. But he's uh, you know, uh whatever it is, he's on it. And uh he's done a great job, you know, and and of uh, building a presence.
1: Um Well that certainly counts. I mean, you know, not every franchise is equally people tend to think about the you know, the overarching corporation but but mm-hmm. um you know, that's a very important reminder. Not not every franchisee is equally Successful, you know, you're you're right. you're on your own to to make right. it work, you know. Right.
2: Another company that we uh,
1: that I talk to that I talk about a lot is
2: uh, a little company. Uh, well, uh, the best the best company that I can think of in terms of battling big boxes is a bookstore in Denver called The Tattered Cover, uh, mm-hmm. where they have made books. Joyce Mescus and The Tattered Cover have made books a part of the culture. Of Denver, it's their bookstore is a place where you go for entertainment. Their book signings are legendary. Um, They're an A stop on the author tour. It's a social place. It's almost like an exercise gym for your brain. And um, you know they've had a lot of success against. And if you look today, um, who's on the ropes? Well. Barnes and Noble and Borders are just barely able to hang on. Uh, there are a couple of uh other chains that have completely gone away and uh tattered cover is it, still there.
0: It, it it turns out that the Indies that managed to withstand the uh uh you know, the, the Barnes and Nobles and the Borders have held on even as Amazon has turned around and eaten Barnes and Nobles and Borders lunch.
2: Yeah, no, and sometimes you you know uh Sometimes when the elephants uh, collide,
0: you've got to stay
2: out of the way, but there's a little bit of space that's left uh, when, when the competition ends. Yeah, no, Amazon has really done a number on the big box stores. And if you want a real experience with book buying and book understanding, the local indies have
0: done a good job. Yeah. Well, the book is called uh, Battling Big Box uh, with the subtitle, How Nimble Niche Companies Can Outmaneuver Giant Competitors. And uh, it is available right now at Amazon.com. Though I suppose we should also add that you can get it through an independent bookseller near you, like uh, the Tattered Cunch Cover in Denver, or there's a place called Legacy Books in Dallas. I highly recommend. Um, so you know, always definitely uh, pursue that option as well.
2: Crossers Books in Santa Barbara, and uh, booksellers everywhere. So very good.
1: So well, thank you very
0: much for
2: talking here's my him. here's
1: my most important question So do you know oh. my cousin Ted sands, the bottled <laughs> water king
2: oh what which, which which company is his? there's a few bottled water oh he was does.
1: you know, he was president of one of the real big ones I don't know if it was sparklets or puritus or one of those you know he's been a consultant now for years on his own, but I'm mean, you know he's like eighty years old now, but uh, he he you know he'd actually be the next generation cousin he's my mother's cousin in other words. Uh, but he's been in Santa Barbara, his family, forever. And, uh, you know, he's still, he still goes around the world still all the time um, consulting on on uh, all various elements of uh, bottling water. Ted Sands. Wow, we're
2: going to have to find him. Ed Sands.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking right at his, um, so I'm looking at some lists I've I pulled off the Internet of, of consultants in Santa Barbara. And there he is, L. Theodore Sands, Sands and Associates on mm-hmm. Villalos Padres.
2: There you go. He's a really interesting.
1: interesting He's going to be our next
2: subscriber. Well, yeah. You (laughs) should profile him.
1: You should profile him. I I would think it'd be really interesting to hear what he has to say about, you know, changes in that industry. And now, now they're now we're kind of turning back the other way, where you know the green aspect of is, is going contrary to bottled water now.
2: Yeah, we're seeing with the economy. One thing I didn't mention, you know, we're seeing with the economy a lot of trends that we thought would go on forever reversing themselves and although there's a lot of distress in this right now i suspect there will be some opportunity i just read in the paper or online uh about some guys from new york bottling new york city drinking water
0: (laughs) whoa (laughs) making some money on
2: that because it's it's you know not uh it's uh it's very green and they don't uh it's it's uh it's they don't melt glaciers or do anything. There's no uh, hydrocarbon. they are not in
1: displacing anyway. indigenous peoples and uh, yeah. pretending it's from Fiji and all that. There you
2: have it. There you go. There you go. They're not shipping it by air. It's just kind of well, comes down the ground by gravity or something. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll find we'll find him, Should we tell him you said hi?
1: Oh sure, absolutely. Eric Olson. Yep.
2: All right. And my Eric mother's Willis. Barbara.
1: My mother's Barbara Olson. He, he, will, okay. he will certainly know. He, he okay. was He was my great-aunt Inga's, or he is my great-aunt Inga, who lived to be 101, her son, her oldest son, I believe. You know, you would think Santa Barbara had like 5
2: million people because everybody I talk to has a cousin or a relative or a <laughs> high school
1: <laughs> classmate. It's quite a nice destination place. I mean, people who don't know Santa Barbara, we're talking cushy here, dude.
2: Yeah, we're talking,
1: like I said, nice work if you can get it. Yeah, it's a great it's a great place to end up, that's for sure. Well well this, thanks, this has been
0: an this has been an amusing place to end up this show, I'll I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but uh thanks again to Henry DuBroth and also to uh Ben Grant uh and uh Vaughn from earlier in the show. And of course thank you to uh Eric and to Lisa every week for hosting the show. I'm Philip Lynn and this has been BC Radio Live. We broadcast live every Wednesday, so be sure to visit us live, participate in the chat room, watch the video feed. Uh, but, of course, if you miss the live broadcast, uh, audio archives are available online. You can subscribe to the podcast and have BC Radio Live delivered to you each week. So until next Wednesday, aloha.